Hi, hello, sweet listeners, and welcome back to the In the Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Victoria, otherwise known as Vic in the Meadow on all my corners of the internet. And today we are talking about cycle syncing your life with your menstrual cycle. I'm going to get all into my background of working as a menstrual educator and what the heck I even mean by cycle syncing your life soon. But first, I want to do our little weekly catch up of what's going on in my brain, what's going on in my life, which is very fitting for this episode too. But I recently just went last week to get my pap smear that I was due for. Got my letter in the mail. I'm curious if that's something they do in all countries. They do here in Ontario. I assume all of Canada anyhow. And I think now it's every three years that as long as you're having normal pap smear results, you go for your pap smear. If it's abnormal, it might be every year. But anyhow, I was due. So I went in and tackled my medical anxiety that I have. I really don't do well in hospital settings and my doctor's office is inside a hospital. But I think it was a good little exposure therapy for me and everything went really well for the most part aside from all the anxiety and some positional challenges as somebody with a high cervix. But I did the dang thing and I just wanted to use this as a little reminder for all of you to check in if you're due for a pap smear. I know it varies region to region on what age they like to start them and how frequent they might occur. But since the invention of the pap smear, the mortality rate of cervical cancer has decreased by 85%, which is huge. So it just goes to show that prevention is key and early detection is key. You can also ask while you're going in for your pap smears to have a HPV swab done as well to see if any of that is present to again just proactively know if you should be expecting any cervical cell changes because HPV is in like over 90% of the cases what leads to cervical cancer. Anyhow, I could go on for eons and eons about pap smears as somebody that worked in the reproductive health space for so long. Actually wrote a blog post for Joni, which if you've been listening to the podcast, you've heard about them before, but they're a Canadian period care company. And a couple years ago, I did some writing for them for their blog. And I wrote a blog post with tips that I have for making a pap smear more comfortable. So I'm going to link that in the show notes for anybody that wants to check it out. I know that pap smears, cervical exams, they're called different things region to region, can feel really daunting and stressful and anxiety inducing to the average person, but especially if there's trauma of any sort from the past going on, that can be really difficult and I completely understand that. So I'm going to link that blog post because hopefully these tips will give you some comfort and empowerment to make the appointment for yourself and give yourself peace of mind that everything is good in the hood. So that was my last week. And now I think it usually takes about six weeks to get results back. Had my doctor do a little SDI swab while he was in there, even though I haven't had a change of partners. I just think it is always the good and responsible thing to do. And here in Ontario, anyhow, it's all covered anyways. You don't have to pay for any of this. So why not? While you're already literally in there. I made that joke to him. My doctor is very professional. I was like, man, I really can't crack a laugh out of this guy. Anyways, it went well, I think, and I will be patiently awaiting my results. And by patiently, I mean not so patiently because I am a hypochondriac. Trying to keep that in the back of my mind that even if results come up abnormal, it's extremely common and having a little biopsy done of the cervix most of the time shows that the cell changes are just something to watch and nothing indicating cancer necessarily. But again, even if it is, we want to catch that early. So that's what I've been up to in my personal life. Talked to my doctor about a few other things as well. If again, if you've been listening, you might have heard me talk about my autoimmune condition before, like in sclerosis, which affects the tissue on my vulva. That's that's a whole other topic um, and a condition that was brought on by 
trauma, which is wild that doctors are finally admitting that autoimmune conditions are, can be brought on by traumatic events. But some difficult conversations about that, just with some parts of my tissue that are worsening and adjusting my treatment plan to try and stay comfortable. And it's something that puts me at higher risk for gynecological cancers. So just ensuring that we're on a treatment plan that's reducing my risk. So it was a jam-packed Friday. And I think today when I'm recording this is a Tuesday. And I think all the anxiety from that really caught up with me because I am just feeling so fatigued and low energy. And usually I'm good on like seven hours of sleep. I've been needing like nine and still not feeling super well rested in the morning. I'm really trying to listen to my body with that and just slowing the heck down. I'm also expecting my period in the next few days, which is again, perfect timing with this. And I think is also another reason I'm starting to feel very fatigued and need to take a step back and lessen the load on my day and listen to my body and chill the fuck out. Oh, I am going to get right into talking about today's topic, cycle syncing my life. So again, if you don't know my background, I used to exist online under the username, the elephant in the womb, which is a fun play on words for the elephant in the room. I talked about reproductive health, reproductive rights, and menstrual education. And if you listen to the episode where I think it was called I'm having an identity crisis, I talked briefly about how when I was in college for my day job, I also took training to be a certified childbirth educator because I knew I wanted to work kind of in the reproductive health space in some capacity. And so while I was doing my year long training to be a certified childbirth educator, I I really got into and discovered more about how much of a lack of education there is on like the postpartum menstrual return that people go through. And as I was unpacking that and realizing that, I was like, you know what, people in general, there's such a lack of understanding around the menstrual cycle and menstrual disturbances, what's quote unquote normal, what can be helped. And that really is what pushed me to pursue training in menstrual education and public health as well. So for a number of years, that was my primary focus in my online space was educating on the menstrual cycle, reproductive health, reproductive rights, etc. So some of you listening might even have the download from my old website literally on this, on the inner seasons is what I also call it. We're not going to get into that today because it can get a little confusing, but if you know, you know, and I'm curious if any listeners have been around from those days and remember when the elephant in the womb was primarily what I existed as. But anyhow, that is like a little bit about me. It feels so funny introducing that like 15 episodes into the podcast when it is really a huge part of my identity, but not something I talk about a ton online right now for, again, a few reasons. I'm just, I needed to take a little step back and heal myself as I've been undergoing a lot of very large personal life changes. And I'm practicing what I preach by taking that step back and protecting my mental well-being because it is really hard to exist online as somebody in the reproductive health space um, with the current political climate. And like I said, it just wasn't good for my mental health. So now I just more so share about my life and how things are going and y'all seem to appreciate that too. So I'm so grateful for y'all being here for all of it. But what do I even mean by cycle syncing my life? Essentially what I mean by that is our menstrual cycle has four different phases and what I'm doing is living in tune with each of those phases. I think a lot of us think of the menstrual cycle as our period and then like the rest of the month when really there's four phases which our hormones are ebbing and flowing so much and changing so much. And at the end of the day, it's important to remember that those of us with periods, we are not meant to feel and function the same every day. Our hormones are fluctuating and the entire endocrine system, our hormonal system, 
is affected as well. So that means that while our reproductive hormones, which you might know like estrogen and progesterone, when they're going up and down throughout our menstrual cycle, that is affecting everything else as well, right? Our mood hormones, our serotonin, our dopamine, which is why our mood can be affected by our period. And also our digestive hormones, because we do have hormones in our digestive system as well, which is why many of you probably experience things like the dreaded period poops, or some people get constipation with their period. Everything is so interconnected. And if you look up, and I'm going to post it on my Instagram because I had a hormone chart made by a graphic designer for me years ago that shows how testosterone, progesterone, and estrogen fluctuate through the four phases of the menstrual cycle. But if you look it up on Google, you know, after you listen to this podcast, or if you're not driving right now and listening, you can look it up now and just see how much the hormones rise and fall and imagine how that affects you day to day throughout, you know, a 30-ish day cycle. And our society and the structure of this world is not built for people with periods. Capitalism is not suited for those of us with a menstrual cycle. The workplace and workspace in general is so targeted at testosterone-fueled bodies who have a 24-hour cycle versus those of us with periods who experience typically a 30-day-ish cycle. We aren't meant to have those same energy levels every single day and have the same routine, yet we're expected to. And I think that we are slowly seeing the system be dismantled and more understanding for, again, people with periods and especially people with menstrual health conditions as well, like endometriosis, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, PCOS, because some places, mostly in Europe, are introducing a paid menstrual leave from work, which is amazing. And right now it is, I think, given mostly to people with doctor's notes that clinically have endometriosis diagnosed, which is a whole nother hurdle because the average diagnosis time for endometriosis is 10 years. So there is still so much change that needs to happen where people with really painful or heavy periods shouldn't have to have a medical diagnosis because it's so hard to get one and such a privilege to get one to take the time off work or have a lightened workload when they need it. I can tell I have a lot of feelings about this, but this whole system has just allowed a lot of gaslighting to happen within the workplace and within ourselves when, you know, teachers, bosses, co-workers aren't accommodating for your very real fluctuating needs with the menstrual cycle and you're just feeling this pressure from society, from yourself, from the media to push through it, take, you know, an ibuprofen and get on with yourself. When again, we're, we're literally not physiologically made to function that way. It's okay if you need to use a sick day to take a day off school, a day off work. You should be able to do that guilt-free because you are doing your body a favor when you're listening to it and giving it the rest that it needs. And when you take that time, when you're not feeling well on your period to rest, you're going to feel better for the rest of the duration of your period, which again, we'll talk about. That being said, before I get into this, I do want to say if you're experiencing really wild and debilitating periods, that you haven't been able to look into yet, definitely mention it to your doctor. Things like having frequent clots in your period that are larger than the size of a toonie, definitely worth mentioning to your doctor. If you're throwing up from pain, mentioning it to your doctor. If you're bleeding so much that you're changing your pad more than every two hours, mention it to your doctor. And the hard thing is advocating for yourself within the system because the system is so broken, especially with a lot of male providers who don't have periods and don't understand how debilitating it can be, it can be really hard to get those referrals. But here in Canada, at least you cannot be denied a referral. So if you ask for a referral to a gynecologist, they say, I don't know, say document that in my file that you denied me 
the request because then it is documented that you thought something was wrong and they did not allow you to explore that, which usually saying that alone gets you the referral a little easier if you have a real stubborn doctor because that would look really bad on them if you brought something up and in the documentation they just didn't believe you or dismissed it. So anyhow, I wanted to give that little preface, which if y'all like this episode and want more talking about the menstrual cycle. I have a wealth of knowledge I'm happy to share, but I'm going to try and stay on topic as best as I can because this is something I could talk about for days and days. But all of these things being said, that's where the cyclical living idea comes in. So I'm going to quickly break down the four phases of the menstrual cycle and then we're going to get into how you can live in tune with each of the four phases, talking about things like food and digestion, how to support that, movement throughout the phases, creativity, rest, work, social, how we can better support ourselves in each phase of the menstrual cycle to just make things better on our body, our brain, and other people in our lives as well. So if you aren't familiar with the four phases of the menstrual cycle, I'm going to be super brief here and you can look more into this online for more in-depth like physiological breakdown of what is happening with the body, but our menstrual cycle has the four phases. So the first day of our menstrual cycle, the start of the menstrual phase, our period, which is what people are very familiar with, is the first day that you're bleeding enough to need a tampon or a pad. Not quite just a little bit of spotting, that's luteal phase, which is the end of the cycle, but the beginning, the first day, day one of your cycle, or if you use period tracking journals or apps, you know that first day is the first day of your period. That typically lasts one to five, seven days. Person to person, it really depends. So this is gonna be dependent upon you. Tracking your cycle definitely helps you learn where these four phases kind of land. In that cycle, starting and ended by our period finishing. Pretty easy to have those parameters to know when we're in that phase. The second phase is called the follicular phase. And while this technically starts on day one as well, we generally count it as day, you know, say seven-ish to 13-ish. And it's the period of time between the menstrual phase and between ovulation. And it's just as the body is preparing a follicle to release an egg for ovulation. Typically, this is like the quiet time, which we'll talk more about, but it's just that little in-between time between period and ovulation. And then that third phase is ovulation. So that's when our body is releasing an egg into the uterus for potential fertilization. If you don't know, the, like, the whole point of our menstrual cycle from a physiological standpoint, okay, is that the body is building up a lining, our period, to be like a cushiony little absorption layer for if an egg is fertilized and implants into the wall for that egg and then one day fetus to have a protective little cushion in utero. So when ovulation occurs where that egg is released, which ovulation itself is like a 24 hour window, but that can happen over a couple of days. It just depends person to person where that happens in your cycle. If the egg is not fertilized, the menstrual cycle continues, which leads us into the luteal phase or some people pronounce it different. And what happens there is when that egg is not fertilized, the body goes, well, okay, what the heck did you do that for? You're wasting our resources. It says, well, we're out of the hormones that we use to build up that lining. So the hormones plummet. They do a big drop in the end of that luteal phase, which is what triggers our period all over again to say, okay, well, we're going to shed that lining again, and then we're going to build a new one and make a new cushion for the potential fertilization of an egg. That luteal phase is, let's say, day like 20 to 30 for some people. And towards the end of that luteal phase is typically when people start feeling that PMS time of the month, or if you're somebody that struggles with PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, typically the start of the luteal phase is when you're experiencing the height of PMDD. I know that was a little rapid fire 
oversimplification of the four phases of the menstrual cycle, but stick along with me here because we're going to revisit them as we go through these four phases. So we're going to start, we're going to get right into it with the menstrual phase. So that day one to might be five days, if you have a heavier period, it might be seven days, but our period, that phase of the cycle and how we can better live in tune with our bodies. Like I said, our period is triggered by a drop in our hormones, which just catapults the body into a very different state of needs than we have the rest of our cycle. Like I said, as our hormones from our reproductive system plummet, typically our mood hormones are affected as well and digestion is big time. And we're going to start by talking about digestion because I think a lot of us experience the bloat and the period poops um, and the gas that comes with periods and why that happens. I think this is interesting. I like to know why the body's doing what it's doing, but what's happening there is we have another hormone called prostaglandins and these prostaglandins are released to help contract our uterus. So they're causing the contractions, which helps the body shed that lining, but also is what is causing our cramps, right? But the body isn't quite majestic enough to only send those hormones to the uterus. So as you can imagine where our uterus is, our intestines, our bowels, they're all surrounding that tissue. So this prostaglandins often affect the bowels as well, which is what can cause an increase in gas and those period poops where it just starts cramping and getting everything moving a little bit too fast. It's important to recognize that our digestive system really has different needs. And I want to also say, you know, I know food can be a really sensitive topic to people and I do not approach this at all with any form of restriction. I rather like to talk about foods that you can add in to better help and support your body. But at the end of the day, you know your body best. You know what might be triggering you to feel worse and what might help you feel better. I'm just here to add in a few recommendations of things you can add in that might help you feel better during this phase of the cycle. That is the one that we are going to be talking about food a little bit. So if that's a sensitive topic and something you're not in the headspace to listen to, fast forward a little bit, or maybe just skip this episode altogether. But with our body, like I'm saying, with our period poops, all of these things happening, how can we better support our system? Well, our digestive system is very similar to the rest of our body's needs, where typically when we're on our period, we want the heating pad, we want like a hot shower on our back or a hot bath. Digestive system also has an easier time processing, just like easy to digest, warm foods. So what do I mean by that? Things like soups, stews, chilies, jambalaya. Often our body will also crave carbs because we need more energy reserves. So potatoes, which I so many people want, like the McDonald's fries or the chips on their period, sweet potatoes, whatever it might be, pasta, sandwiches. If your body what it's asking for. But just remembering easier to digest things and chewing your food enough so that it's easier to go through the digestion system will make the world of difference. And then the other thing is also just being aware, right, of what is making you feel worse. So again, not approaching this in a restrictive way, but being mindful, right? So for me, I don't drink caffeine in general because it's very bad for my mental health and my anxiety, but I do know in general, even decaf, lattes or coffees or whatever still contain a bit of caffeine and even soda and i know that's dehydrating caffeine makes my cramps worse for a lot of people it makes their cramps worse and for me i know spicy foods no matter what wreak havoc on my digestive system so i know you know when i'm making i am a craft dinner and sriracha kind of 
person, okay? And I know when I'm on my period, I do not put the sriracha in my craft dinner because I know if anything's going to trigger some bad period poops, it's going to be that sriracha. So just trying to be mindful of your body, your body's needs. For some people, it might be dairy that makes their digestion worse. And, you know, maybe during some parts of your cycle, you can justify that and take the risk. But maybe on your period, you just don't have the capacity and you want to have a smoother week. So you, you reduce the spicy, you add in other awesome things like soups. And we are in full-blown soup season, y'all, and I am so excited about it. If you're listening to this way in the future, it is September right now, it is fall, and we are in soup mode. But anyhow, that's just something you can be mindful of with your body and your period and just making sure that you're supporting your body as well. Because when we're having our period, we're losing. I know people like to undermine how much blood we lose and they're like, it's a couple tablespoons. For some people, it's quite a bit more. And regardless, we're still losing nutrients. So it's easy to feel, you know, dizzier. So some people like to add in some smoothies, some vitamins, tomato, tomato. I don't have the energy for it. I just make sure I'm eating enough and I'm bringing snacks because I know I'm going to feel like I need that little sugar boost or a cliff bar, something throughout the day to just boost my energy levels. Next thing to be mindful of is movement when we're thinking about the different phases of the menstrual cycle. And this doesn't necessarily mean like just the gym people, although I, I will briefly touch on that. I am not a gym person though. So if that's something you're really passionate about, I'm sure there is people online specifically like gym people talking about cycle syncing and working out as a topic of its own. But the thing that I really want to focus on is again, just that our body physiologically needs more rest during this part of the menstrual cycle. And we need to listen to our body to feel our best and to best serve ourselves. I know a lot of people like to just push through and think, well, I can do it. You can, but you're probably not going to feel the best. And it can sometimes just be doing more damage to the body. Say you are an exercise person. I'll start with this example. If you're somebody where like you like to hit the gym, you like to do weights during this time of the menstrual cycle would be a good time to say, do a lower weight, higher repetition exercises rather than high weight, lower rep. So just placing less weight load on our system. Ideally though, because again, I'm not a gym person, but I do like gentle movement. Ideally, we want to just roll it back significantly. So for a lot of people, maybe this looks like taking a nice restorative yoga class, a gentle yoga class rather than a hot yoga class. If you're somebody really into cardio or maybe you're like training for a marathon, I don't know, feeling a little wild. This is a good time to, again, bring it more down to a walk or reduce your load of your runs for a few days until you're feeling that your energy levels are optimizing again. Again, it's not like a strict, you need to do this, 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 you can't do this, this, this. It's listening to your body. And that's the thing is a lot of us just aren't in tune with our bodies enough because we're just going through the motions day by day of wake up, go to work, come home, make dinner, watch TV, go to bed, rinse, repeat. But part of what I like in slow and intentional living is being more in tune with the body. And we can really do that by connecting with the menstrual cycle. So just see how you feel. And again, there's some people where, you know, oh God, back in gym class in high school, everyone had one of those gym teachers that was like, your period's not an excuse. You can run that mile. Exercise helps cramp. Let me tell you, exercise does not help cramps for everyone. Every body is built so, so differently and just has such different needs. So you do what feels best for you. Again, if you're someone where you're like, hell yeah, heavy weightlifting on my period really helps me. 
have at it. It's simply a guideline. So this is a common theme throughout. This is listen to your body and a guideline of physiologically with our hormones, what might help support yourself. So give yourself enough rest and to wrap that into talking about rest, rest. I know it sounds simple and maybe, you know, a little self-explanatory, but a lot of us like to torture ourselves. We like to think we need to earn rest. You do not need to earn rest. You are inherently worthy of listening to your body, resting your body, and taking the time that you need to take to relax. Our energy reserves are so much lower on our period and we need more sleep. We need more downtime, more recovery time. If you're somebody with a hybrid job, take a whole week work from home if you can. Even if you can, try and negotiate it with your boss and say, hey, listen, having a hard time, the period is perioding. If I come in an extra day next week when I'm feeling better, can I take an extra day to work from home this week, etc. whatever it might be. If you're someone that's able to lighten your workload around your period and have some flexibility there, get ahead on projects when you're in a different phase of your cycle so that during your period week or even just those first few days of your period when you know you're gonna be feeling your worst, you have a lighter workload. Do things for yourself so that you can rest. This also might look like for say parents, if you've got kids or maybe you're a single parent or maybe you're a parent and you've got a roommate, ask someone you live with or a neighbor, a grandparent, whoever it might be, to take the kids for three hours, have a bath, and have a nap because you deserve it. Or maybe it's asking your partner or your roommate, whatever your situation is and say, hey, my period's starting, I'm not feeling well, I don't have as much energy, I just need you to help out a little bit more around the house right now, do some extra cleaning, maybe you can make the next couple dinners or help pack my lunch for me communicate your needs. There is no shame in needing a little bit extra support during these times. And maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's not even your energy. Maybe you're somebody that has a lot of mood disturbances with your period or you feel very hypersensitive and just say, hey, you know, whether it's your mom, your best friend, your partner, I need a little extra love this week or these next couple of days. I may be feeling a little bit more sensitive. It's not you, it's me kind of thing. Because communication is key. And when you're able to communicate your needs, you are doing yourself and everyone around you a favor by just being transparent. One of the other interesting things I wanna add in before we move on to the next phase is that contrary to popular belief, creativity is typically at a high during our period just with, with the way that hormones are ebbing and flowing. So once you lighten your load and take the pressure off, a lot of people find that they have really great ideas, whether maybe you're like, writing or maybe you like to do art as a hobby, keeping like your journals, your sketchbooks nearby for if you do get a burst of creativity can be really helpful. Okay, so that is my notes for that first phase, the menstrual phase. So now we're gonna talk about the second phase, that follicular phase where I'm saying it's like between your period and ovulation. And if you don't cycle track, you might be like, well, how do I even know when ovulation happens? Well, we will get into that after we talk about the follicular phase. But this second phase is typically when we start to increase our energy, we're kind of like, glad we survived that period. It generally just feels like a breath of fresh air with the energy, the mood stabilizing, and you can use this to your advantage. Like we talked about digestion in the last phase, we'll mention it here as well. So typically as you come out of your period, your digestion is improving. Those prostaglandins are dropping way back down. We have less spasms happening, unless unfortunately you're somebody with IBS, which is very common as well. But even so, even if you have IBS, it is typically less triggered at this point in the cycle because our reproductive hormones are not working against our digestive hormones quite as much. A lot of people now are switching from maybe craving carbier foods to more fruits, vegetables, more natural sugars, 
but this is just like a good time in general to eat whatever the heck you want to eat. And I mean, it's always a good time to do that. But you know how we talked about things that can trigger cramps and digestion should be worse around your period, like spicy foods, caffeine, whatever. Typically, those are better tolerated during this phase and the ovulation phase of the menstrual cycle. So if you're like, man, I've really been wanting to check out that new Indian restaurant and I'm, I'm a load up on the spice, do it. Live your life perfect time to try that new restaurant, try that new dish. Your digestive system is working with you is what I'm saying. As well, when we think about movement, like again, this time and it's it's intuitive, right? Like, you know, when you come out of your period, you're feeling more back to yourself. So again, use that to your advantage. If you want to do the higher intensity movements and you're like, I'm going to take a freaking kickboxing class or I'm going to learn to pole dance, do it because your energy reserves in your body are naturally working with you at this phase in the cycle and you can use that to your benefit. So do what feels good, but remember to not overwhelm yourself either because it's easy to be like, okay, well now I can pick up and work on that to-do list that I've been putting off for a week and suddenly you've burned yourself out and you're back in that fatigue mode. Make sure you have balance while you're focusing down on personal projects, work, whatever, optimizing your physical and mental capacity that you have, ground yourself as well and make sure that you set aside time for self-care. Okay, so now we're going to have a little word from the most perfect partnership today and then we're going to get into talking about living in tune with your cycle with the ovulatory phase. Before we get into talking about cycle syncing with ovulation, I want to talk to you about a Canadian company y'all might be familiar with if you've been following for a while that I use as part of my own contraceptive plant and that's Ovary. Ovary is a gender-neutral reproductive care company offering ovulation, fertility, and pregnancy tests for everybody and everybody. Knowing when you're in your fertile window and tracking hormonal changes like the timing of ovulation with the menstrual cycle is so empowering and helpful when it comes to cycle syncing and learning the rhythms of your body. What makes Ovary unique is the test strips are nearly completely recyclable and use 95% less plastic than other tests. The tests are also conveniently sold in bulk, equaling them out to be closer to $2 a test rather than $20 per test that you might see in single packages in the pharmacy. The love I have for this brand is truly unreal as someone using them to avoid contraception who's tired of seeing pink pregnancy test boxes with babies on the front. Ovary is women-founded and operated and made right here in Canada. And Ovary is dedicating October to ovulation education. If you're interested in learning more about finding your fertile window, you can use their free ovulation calculator on their website and head over to their Instagram to learn all about ovulation this month. To give Ovary a try and keep their test on hand for moments that might pop up, you can use code MEADOW10 for 10% off site-wide. That's M-E-A-D-O-W-10. They also have a wealth of educational resources and information on their site. So head on over to the link in the description and give Ovary a try. Okay, so let's get into this. The ovulation phase. This is typically, I like to say, like day 14 to 20-ish, but again, this is like a 24 to 48 hour event where the body is releasing an egg from that follicle down into the uterus where it is viable for 24-ish hours and says, okay, are we going to be fertilized or are we not going to be fertilized? Fertilization occurs, boom, pregnancy. Fertilization does not occur, menstrual cycle continues. So that's what's going on in this phase. And if you look at a hormone chart, our progesterone is soaring high. And typically because of this, we have like super human feelings. So for a lot of people, their mood, their libido, their energy is heightened at this time. There is a small percentage of people who unfortunately, I think it's like five to 8% of people experience PMS-like symptoms with ovulation because the body releasing an egg can release some like secretions into the system, which can cause like burning, cramping, not fun, but the vast majority of people feel their best at this time. So again, listen to your body, but I'm going to be talking to the majority here where generally 
most of us are feeling really well. But for those of you who are like, well, how do I know when I ovulate? There are a couple ways to do this here. First of all, tracking your cycle is definitely beneficial here, but you also don't want to fully rely on the apps that predict when you're ovulating. You can find out if you're ovulating by looking at things like your cervical fluid and look up like fertile cervical mucus. And you're going to see pictures of discharge if you do this, but looking at your discharge really can tell you a lot about when you're ovulating. The other foolproof way that I like to do this, and I think it's just interesting to know when you're ovulating, use ovulation strips. We just talked about them, okay? That is a way to confirm to yourself when you are about to ovulate, which again is great for whether you are trying to conceive or trying to not conceive. Or maybe you're somebody on birth control and you're like, man, I just have my withdrawal bleeds and I'm like cruising the rest of the time. You can still live in tune with your cycle. You're just not going to have as big of those ebbs and flows of your hormones because you're not having a true physiological menstrual bleed. But anyhow, there's also like the ovulation calculator, tons of things. That's a whole other topic, which we can dive more into. You know, if you've got questions, I can provide resources on Instagram, whatever the heck you need. But let's talk a little bit about ovulation. Like I said, this is when our body is at its best typically from, again, an anatomical standpoint. Our hormones are stabilized. We have less inflammation in the body. Similar as what we just talked about with the follicular phase, typically digestion is optimized at this time. You can tolerate most things better. And same with movement. It's super similar to that follicular phase where typically it's a few days of just like a burst of energy. So use that to your advantage. Do what feels good, but also just, again, be mindful to still ground yourself, check in with yourself, see like mentally how you're doing. I like to personally use this time to kind of reassess my cycle and be like, okay, well, you know what? Feeling really good right now. Might not be in another week and a half. So I try and prep things to make my incoming kind of PMS time and period a little bit better. So, you know, this is when I'm like pre-filming my videos, podcasts, whatever it might be. I'm lightening my bookings at my day job for the end of my cycle, like looking ahead to better plan for the rest of the cycle and when I might not be feeling as, you know, fergalicious. Just trying to be proactive and aware of what's to come. And like I said, ensure you're still maintaining balance. So don't pour from an empty cup. Don't overcommit yourself in work, in social life. Just like listen to yourself, listen to your body and your body's needs. And there's so much more that one could talk about with ovulation. And there's a wealth of resources out there. So if it's something you're interested more in, again, check out Ovary. They've got their ovulation campaign on for the entire month of October, which is exactly why I'm airing this the first weekend of October so that you have ample time, whether you're listening to this now or towards the end of the month, to go back and check out what the heck they're talking about and learn more about your body. But let's now talk about that fourth phase, that luteal phase, which again, this is when basically our hormones have said, okay, you know what? That egg wasn't fertilized. Like our body's a little bit pissy with us for that, which is very not cool. And so the hormones that build up our lining again, they run out and suddenly it says, okay, well, let's shed that again. So the luteal phase is typically day, you know, like 20 to 30, whatever it might be, a week and a half or so. And at the beginning of that luteal phase, we're typically still feeling fairly well. And slowly throughout that week towards our period is when that starts to decline and it starts to drop off again, which triggers our period to come. So this is that PMS, that pre-menstrual time when cramps start setting in, energy levels start to dip, our mood, we start to feel a little bit more sensitive, that time where you're like, you know what? Yep. I feel like I usually wouldn't cry at XYZ and I think my period's coming. That's the luteal phase. 
for a lot of people, this is the most challenging time. And especially for people that deal with mood imbalances, often they find when their period finally comes, it's almost like a relief. Like they feel that relief because the hormones are starting to stabilize again after that big decline. But what's interesting is, is that studies show that there's something called premenstrual exacerbation syndrome. So people with any pre-existing mental health condition, you know, OCD, anxiety, depression, whatever it might be, is worsened around this luteal phase time. So as those hormones drop again, it affects our mood hormones. And a lot of people find that their mental health conditions worsen at this time and into those first couple of days of the period as our hormones stabilize out. So it's really important to be cognizant of that and try and help yourself and be aware that you might need some extra support during that time. So maybe that looks like intentionally scheduling your session with your counselor or your therapist around this time when you know you're going to need that extra support and find some tools to better support yourself during that time when you might not be feeling as a-okay. Because this is a big time of introspection and intuition as well though. And a lot of people and the media can weaponize this against us, right? By saying like, oh, so-and-so must be on their period, right? Like we see that in a lot of movies, I feel like growing up and that's what normalizes these comments in the workplace, unfortunately, and in social circles. And that shit's not cool because we can actually use those tools to our advantage and try and balance, you know, this can present in things like negative self-talk. We can also, again, use this to our advantage to just reevaluate our life and think, okay, what's a hell yes? What's a hell no? What do I actually want to do? What do I like maybe not need to put up with in my life? We can just be better in tune with what we want to prioritize in our life and what we can say, you know, sayonara to. So like I said, turning that negative self-talk into positive things and not like a forced positivity, feel your feelings, but getting out of that spiral and using that inner critic to reevaluate the people in your life, who you follow online and allow into your space, what you're absorbing. Maybe you do like a declutter of your house, channeling that energy into something different than just negative self-talk. So this is that time where our bodies naturally need us to slow back down and transition back from that high energy to that low energy and listening to your body's needs, making more restorative pockets of peace in your day. Just staying in alignment with those needs. So like we talked about with your period, maybe you get a babysitter so that you can go grab McDonald's and have a nice long bath because you're just starting to feel your emotional needs shift and change. You clear your calendar. You say, I need this weekend free because I'm going to be binging below deck with a bucket of mint chip ice cream and salt and vinegar chips. I'm can you tell I'm speaking from personal experience? Do whatever you need to do. Maybe you're extroverted and being around your safe people helps stabilize your mood for you. So maybe you call up your best friend and say, hey, let's go get hot chocolates. Or maybe you say, mom, let's go watch a movie. Whatever it might be, do what makes you feel good to set yourself up for better support. You don't have to do it alone and you shouldn't have to if support is what you need. Again, just be mindful at this phase because with those dropping hormones is leading us back to our period. So very soon your body is going to be losing more nutrients, minerals. So listen to what you want. And if your body's like, we want a lot more bananas because your body's like, hello, we would like potassium. If you're craving salt, eat the freaking McDonald's french fries. Do what you need to do, but you will probably find that your body is going back again to craving those carbier, richer foods to better support itself. And that's cycle syncing in a nutshell. I know this is like still long form content, but to me, this is like cycle syncing for dummies. This is rapid fire spark notes of cycle syncing. 
There's so much information out there for if you want to get really in depth about just cycle syncing with food. There's things like seed cycling, which I used to sell a guide for on my old website, where you're eating certain seeds with different phases of the menstrual cycle to better support nutrients, minerals, healthy fats. There's so many things that you can look into if this is something that interests you and you find that it helps you live more slowly and intentionally with your body. But it's just important to remember that cycle syncing is a way to empower yourself and connect to your body. It's not a way to be restrictive or to stress yourself out being like, well, I'm in this phase. I need to do this. At the end of the day, the best way that you can cycle sync yourself with your menstrual cycle is to just like listen to what your body needs day to day. Wake up and before you roll out of bed, lay in bed and think, okay, how am I feeling so far? Maybe you have your shower, you eat your breakfast, you need to like wake up and you're like, okay, what can I do today to be my best self? What can I do today to better support how my body feels and how my body needs? And anyone out there that also deals with chronic illness, you're probably already really familiar with this practice because we have to live this way as people that live with chronic pain and chronic illness. So just adding in that extra step to see how we're feeling hormonally, mood-wise, digestion-wise, and what we can do to best support our body is really doing ourselves a favor. Have these conversations with people in your life. Normalize adapting your life and your needs to the menstrual cycle. I know there's so many people that don't even want to like say the word period or think it's taboo. The people in my life know how much like I am open to talking about this. I am the go-to person when someone has a weird picture of a period clot or something that they're not sure about to send to me because nothing is TMI in my books. And that doesn't mean it has to extend to everyone, but I think everyone has that one friend who they just know they feel safe going to to talk about all of the things and bodily functions. And I think especially when it comes to the menstrual cycle and feelings with our mood and whatever it might be, needs to become a lot more normalized. I know there was a study done and I can't remember the exact percentage, but it was interviewing people in workplaces and asking them, you know, if their productivity and their performance at work is affected by their period. And it was over 80%. I can't remember the exact number of people who said that their productivity and their focus at work is greatly impacted during those, you know, first kind of worst days of their period. And I think that's really telling that, you know, we have the numbers out there that people like our bodies were really affected by this yet workplaces are not expected and we don't hold them to that standard to be accommodating for that is just mind-blowing to me and i hope that one day we will get there but for now be your own best advocate advocate for other people in your workplace this can present in a lot of ways um, menstrual equity as well right so if you're in a workplace and your employer doesn't already provide free period products bring it up to hr say hey i think this is something that would be a really good initiative to have or if you have people in your workplace that are able to bring in some extra period products set up a period product basket in the bathrooms and put in some pads and tampons that say, you know, help yourself or usually it's self-explanatory. Other people might see that and start donating them as well to the communal area. This isn't just for people who can't afford it, but just anyone out there whose period sneaks up on them as well, having them accessible opens up the conversation, all of these wonderful things we can do to better make period equity a thing that we can expect in all spaces in life. So that about wraps up the episode on cycle syncing your life and your period. And I actually wrote a blog post for Joni like a month ago on this topic that should be live by now. And it is a visual like summary, I guess, of this whole topic. So I'm going to link that in the show notes as well, because it breaks down the four 
cycles, it has my graph that I was talking about with how the hormones ebb and flow. And I just break down digestion, movement, and mindfulness for each of the four phases. So if you want like a little visual reminder, a short little blog post to jog your memory, I will link that as well. Also remember that Ovary is talking about ovulation all this month. So check out Ovary on Instagram. I'll have that and their website linked in my show notes here. And you can use code MEADOW10 for 10% off any of your Ovary products if you want to try out the ovulation test strip. And I am tired. I always feel like I have like a workout vocally after recording a podcast. So I'm going to go make a nice tea. I made, oh, I just made banana bread. I just remembered it should be cooled enough now for me to have a piece that came out of the oven right before I started recording this. Yes, I made an 8 a.m. loaf of banana bread. It is one of those days. The best way to start your day is your house smelling like banana bread. I put my pumpkin pie seasoning in it. It is going to be so yum. So I'm going to have some echinacea tea for my throat and a nice piece of buttered nanner bread and just hang out. I'm currently, I know some people like to know what I'm reading, what I'm watching. So I'm going to try and remember to include that at the end of my episodes here. Hopefully the people interested make it this far. Right now, I, I know I told you guys I was off the subscriptions on TV for a while. I had canceled Prime, Netflix, all that stuff. Well, my mom recently sat down with me and had a talk and said, Victoria, your anxiety is out of control. You refuse to take medication for it because you're terrified of the side effects, which I think I talked about it last episode. I had an allergic reaction to a medication recently, so I'm, I'm traumatized, okay? And anyways, my mom was like, I think you need your Women's Network Hallmark movies back. So I did resubscribe to Stack TV through Amazon and I am doing a free trial of Hey You and Discovery Plus right now. So I just have all the reality TV at my fingertips. I just finished a three episode show through, I think it was Discovery Plus. It's a TLC show called Crack Addicts about a chiropractor and just her with her patients and like, you know, helping them, which due to my day job as a massage therapist, I thought would be interesting. And I have um, strong mixed feelings on chiropractors that I'm not going to get into here, but it was really interesting and fun to watch and led me to want to pursue some extra continuing education courses in certain conditions. But anyhow, I recently watched that and it was super entertaining. The chiropractor on it is not very professional, to be honest, the way she makes her patients feel about certain stuff, but she was interesting enough. And now I'm watching Paris Hilton's show, which says it came out in 2022. So it was after her big documentary. And right now it's just like showing her life leading up to planning her wedding. If you also grew up in the early 2000s, you knew the simple life, Paris Hilton, Nicole Richie, and just the character that was Paris Hilton. And in this show, this was the first time I've heard her real voice. I didn't realize, like I, I knew she was putting on a shtick, a character as you know, the dumb blonde, but it's really interesting to hear her talk in her normal voice, which is like four octaves lower than the voice that she has always used in the media and everything else. So that show has been really fun and interesting for me. Oh my God, what I'm reading. So I've been on a little bit of a nonfiction kick because Miss Jill Duggar's book just came out when I'm recording this like two weeks ago. So after my dentist appointment, maybe maybe I talked about this last week, I can't remember. But after my dentist appointment, the big dentist appointment, I bought myself Jill's book as a reward. If you grew up with TLC again, 18 Kids and Counting, maybe you know, there was an Amazon Prime short docu-series done on the IBLP, IBLP, ILB, whatever it is, Institute of Basic Life Principles, the cult that the doggers were in. Um, called Shiny Happy People on Amazon. And that really 
enthralled me in the religious trauma these poor people have gone through. And Jill Duggar, one of the older siblings, recently released a book and it's very vulnerable and like her and her husband are still very religious, but they're not following IBLP. She talks about her decision to wear pants and how much inner mental turmoil there was unpacking the cultish parts of that quote-unquote religion and transitioning into more of a generalized religion, I suppose. I don't know. I didn't grow up religious, but I read it in a day. It was really interesting for me to read. And I think it's one where you kind of need to know the background, a little bit of the Duggars, things like the stuff her brother did to her, which she doesn't talk about in detail or give background in the book. Like you kind of need to know a little bit. But if you grew up on 18 Kids and Counting, it's super interesting. I also then found Ginger's, which she's now married to Jeremy, her first book, one of the Duggar girls, which she wrote with Jeremy and at a thrift store at the Goodwill bookstore for five bucks. So I read that it was a little more gaudy, but um, talked about their meeting and how they started dating. And it was really interesting too, and just showed how controlling their dad was in not even letting, you know, a 27 year old man, like these two grown adults, even have his daughter's phone number until he grilled him for four months. Anyways, y'all, Super, super interesting. She also has a new book that came out last year that I have on hold at the library that I'm waiting for. That's what I've been reading. That's what I've been watching. That's what I've been doing. Me and my banana bread. So I am going to go relax now. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I really have just been having some really nice messages come my way of y'all that are tuning into the podcast and enjoying it. And it really warms my heart. me knowing my period's coming soon being like, oh, I want to tear up thinking about this. But it's just really nice to know that a lot of y'all are on the same page as I am and at a very similar place in life, whether you're younger than me, older than me, just with the way that you're feeling and the topics that I'm talking about and what's resonating and what you guys want to hear more about. Because again, I totally base these episodes based on suggestions from y'all. So if there's something you want to hear me talk about, let me know. I write my notes in my phone and I get to them when I get to them. But until then, you can find me on Instagram and sometimes TikTok at Vic in the Meadow and new episodes still coming out every Sunday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And next Sunday actually will be a super fun episode. I haven't recorded it yet, obviously, but I'm going to be talking all about finding my personal style, which will have an Instagram component later that Sunday, which I'll save to my podcast highlights. Anything I talk about that I'm like, I'll show it on Instagram. It is saved to my podcast highlights on my Instagram, but I'm going to need to show pictures through the different phases of the emo phase, the hipster phase that I'm going to talk about in that episode. But that's going to be a really fun one. I'm really excited. I have a really cool free app to talk to you guys about sustainable clothing swaps with that one. So it's going to be super fun and I'm excited for it. I love this little pocket of community that we have so much. It feels just like my safe space. So I'm really grateful for y'all tuning in and listening and vibing with this. So I will see y'all next Sunday.